10 Things Most Americans Don't Know About America, July 10, 2012, by Mark Manson. Imagine you have a brother, and he's an alcoholic. He has his moments, but you keep your distance from him. You don't mind him for the occasional family gathering or holiday. You still love him, but you don't want to be around him. This is how I lovingly describe my current relationship with the United States. The United States is my alcoholic brother, and although I will always love him, I don't want to be near him at the moment. I know that's harsh, but I really feel my home country is not in a good place these days. That's not a socioeconomic statement, although that's on the decline as well, but rather a cultural one. I realize it's going to be impossible to write sentences like the ones above without coming across as a raging prick, so let me try to soften the blow to my American readers with an analogy. You know when you move out of your parents' house and live on your own, how you start hanging out with your friends' families, and you realize that actually your family was a little screwed up? As it turns out, stuff you always assumed was normal your entire childhood was pretty weird and may have actually fucked you up a little bit. You know, dad thinking it was funny to wear a Santa Claus hat in his underwear every Christmas, or the fact that you and your sister slept in the same bed until you were 22, or that your mother routinely cried over a bottle of wine while listening to Elton John. The point is, we don't really get perspective on what's close to us until we spend time away from it. Just like you didn't realize the weird quirks and nuances of your family until you left and spent time with others, the same is true for country and culture. You often don't see what's messed up about your country and culture until you step outside of it. And so, even though this article is going to come across as fairly scathing, I want my American readers to know this. Some of the stuff we do, some of the stuff that we always assumed was normal, it's kind of screwed up. And that's okay, because that's true with every culture. It's just easier to spot it in others, for example, the French, so we don't always notice it in ourselves. So as you read this article, know that I'm saying everything with tough love, the same tough love with which I'd sit down and lecture an alcoholic family member. It doesn't mean I don't love you. It doesn't mean there aren't some awesome things about you. Bro, that's awesome. And it doesn't mean I'm some saint either, because God knows I'm pretty screwed up. I'm American, after all. There are just a few things you need to hear. And as a friend, I'm going to tell them to you. And to my foreign readers, get your necks ready, because this is going to be a not-a-thon. A little what-the-hell-does-this-guy-know background. I've lived in different parts of the U.S., both the Deep South and the Northeast. I have visited most of the U.S.'s 50 states. I've spent the past three years living almost entirely outside of the United States. I've lived in multiple countries in Europe, Asia, and South America. I've visited over 40 countries in all and have spent far more time with non-Americans than with Americans during this period. I speak multiple languages. I'm not a tourist. I don't stay in resorts and rarely stay in hostels. I rent apartments and try to integrate myself into each country I visit as much as possible. So there. Note. I realize these are generalizations, and I realize there are always exceptions. 
I get it. You don't have to send 55 emails telling me that you and your best friend are exceptions. If you really get that offended from some guy's blog post, you may want to double check your life priorities. Okay, we're ready now. 10 Things Americans Don't Know About America Number 1. Few people are impressed by us. Unless you're speaking with a real estate agent or a prostitute, chances are they're not going to be excited that you're American. It's not some badge of honor we get to parade around. Yes, we had Steve Jobs and Thomas Edison, but unless you actually are Steve Jobs or Thomas Edison, which is unlikely, then most people around the world are simply not going to care. There are exceptions, of course, and those exceptions are called English and Australian people. Whoop-de-fucking-do. As Americans, we're brought up our entire lives being taught that we're the best, we did everything first, and that the rest of the world follows our lead. Not only is this not true, but people get irritated when you bring it to their country with you. So don't. Number two, few people hate us. Despite the occasional eye-rolling and complete inability to understand why anyone would vote for George W. Bush twice, people from other countries don't hate us either. In fact, and I know this is a really sobering realization for us, most people in the world don't really think about us or care about us. I know that sounds absurd, especially with CNN and Fox News showing the same 20 angry Arab men on repeat for 10 years straight. But unless we're invading someone's country or threatening to invade someone's country, which is likely, then there's a 99.99% chance they don't care about us. Just like we rarely think about the people in Bolivia or Mongolia, most people don't think about us much. They have jobs, kids, house payments, you know, those things called lives, to worry about. Kind of like us. Americans tend to assume that the rest of the world either loves us or hates us. This is actually a good litmus test to tell if someone is conservative or liberal. The fact is, most people feel neither. Most people don't think much about us. Remember that immature girl in high school? How every little thing that happened to her meant that someone either hated her or was obsessed with her, who thought every teacher who ever gave her a bad grade was being totally unfair and everything good that happened to her was because of how amazing she was? Yeah, we're that immature high school girl. Number three, we know nothing about the rest of the world. For all of our talk about being global leaders and how everyone follows us, we don't seem to know much about our supposed followers. They often have completely different takes on history than we do. Here were some brain stumpers for me. The Vietnamese were more concerned with independence, not us. Hitler was primarily defeated by the Soviet Union, not us. There is evidence that Native Americans were wiped out largely by disease and plague before Europeans arrived, and not just after. And the American Revolution was partly won because the British invested more of their resources in fighting France, not us. Notice a running theme here? Hint, it's not all about us. The world is more complicated. We did not invent democracy. We didn't even invent modern democracy. There were parliamentary systems in England and other parts of Europe over a hundred years before we created a government. 
In a recent survey of young Americans, 63% could not find Iraq on a map, despite being at war with them, and 54% did not know Sudan was a country in Africa. Yet, somehow we're positive that everyone else looks up to us. Number four, we are poor at expressing gratitude and affection. There's a saying about English speakers. We say, go fuck yourself, when we really mean, I like you, and we say, I like you, when we really mean, go fuck yourself. Outside of getting shithoused, drunk, and screaming, I love you, man, open displays of affection in American culture are tepid and rare. Latin and some European cultures describe us as cold and passionless, and for good reason. In our social lives, we don't say what we mean, and we don't mean what we say. In our culture, appreciation and affection are implied rather than spoken outright. Two guy friends call each other names to reinforce their friendship. Men and women tease and make fun of each other to imply interest. Feelings are almost never shared openly and freely. Consumer culture has cheapened our language of gratitude. Something like, it's so good to see you is empty now because it's expected and heard from everybody. In dating, when I find a woman attractive, I almost always walk right up to her and tell her that A, I wanted to meet her, and B, she's beautiful. In America, women usually get incredibly nervous and confused when I do this. They'll make jokes to diffuse the situation, or sometimes ask me if I'm part of a TV show or something playing a prank. Even when they're interested and go on dates with me, they get a bit disoriented when I'm so blunt with my interest. Whereas, in almost every other culture, approaching women this way is met with a confident smile and a thank you. Number five, the quality of life for the average American is not that great. If you're extremely talented or intelligent, the U.S. is probably the best place in the world to live. The system is stacked heavily to allow people of talent and advantage to rise to the top quickly. The problem with the U.S. is that everyone thinks they are of talent and advantage. As John Steinbeck famously said, the problem with poor Americans is that, quote, they don't believe they're poor, but rather temporarily embarrassed millionaires, end quote. It's this culture of self-delusion that allows America to continue to innovate and churn out new industry more than anyone else in the world. But this shared delusion also unfortunately keeps perpetuating large social inequalities and the quality of life for the average citizen lower than most other developed countries. It's the price we pay to maintain our growth and economic dominance. To me, being wealthy is having the freedom to maximize one's life experiences. In those terms, despite the average American having more material wealth than citizens of most other countries, more cars, bigger houses, nicer televisions, their overall quality of life suffers, in my opinion. American people, on average, work more hours with less vacation, spend more time commuting every day, and are saddled with over $10,000 of debt. That's a lot of time spent working and buying crap and little time or disposable income for relationships, activities, or new experiences. Number six, the rest of the world is not a slum-ridden shithole compared to us. 
In 2010, I got into a taxi in Bangkok to take me to a new six-story cineplex. It was accessible by metro, but I chose a taxi instead. On the seat in front of me was a sign with a Wi-Fi password. Wait, what? I asked the driver if he had Wi-Fi in his taxi. He flashed a huge smile. The squat Thai man with his pidgin English explained that he had installed it himself. He then turned on his new sound system and disco lights. His taxi instantly became a cheesy nightclub on wheels with free Wi-Fi. If there's one constant in my travels over the past three years, it has been that almost every place I've visited, especially in Asia and South America, is much nicer and safer than I expected it to be. Singapore is pristine. Hong Kong makes Manhattan look like a suburb. My neighborhood in Colombia is nicer than the one I lived in Boston and cheaper. As Americans, we have this naive assumption that people all over the world are struggling and way behind us. They're not. Sweden and South Korea have more advanced high-speed internet networks. Japan has the most advanced trains and transportation systems. Norwegians, along with Swedes, Luxembourgers, the Dutch, and Finns, make more money. The biggest and most advanced plane in the world is flown out of Singapore. The tallest buildings in the world are now in Dubai and Shanghai, and soon to be Saudi Arabia. Meanwhile, the U.S. has the highest incarceration rate in the world. What's so surprising about the world is how unsurprising most of it is. I spent a week with some local guys in Cambodia. You know what their biggest concerns were? Paying for school, getting to work on time, and what their friends were saying about them. In Brazil, people have debt problems hate getting stuck in traffic, and complain about their overbearing mothers. Every country thinks they have the worst drivers. Every country thinks their weather is unpredictable. The world becomes, uh, predictable. Number seven, we're paranoid. Not only are we emotionally insecure as a culture, but I've come to realize how paranoid we are about our physical security. You don't have to watch Fox News or CNN for more than 10 minutes to hear about how our drinking water is going to kill us. Our neighbor is going to rape our children. Some terrorist in Yemen is going to kill us because we didn't torture him. Mexicans are going to kill us or some virus from a bird is going to kill us. There's a reason we have nearly as many guns as people. In the U.S., security trumps everything, even liberty. We're paranoid. I've probably been to 10 countries now that friends and family back home told me explicitly not to go because someone was going to kill me, kidnap me, stab me, rob me, rape me, sell me into sex trade, give me HIV, or whatever else. None of that has happened. I've never been robbed, and I've walked through some of the shittiest parts of Asia, Latin America, and Eastern Europe. In fact, the experience has been the opposite. In countries like Russia, Colombia, or Guatemala, people were so honest and open with me, it actually scared me. Some stranger in a bar would invite me to his house for a barbecue with his family. A random person on the street would offer to show me around and give me directions to a store I was trying to find. My American instincts were always that, wait, this guy is going to try to rob me or kill me. But they never did. They were just insanely friendly. 
Number eight, we are status obsessed and seek attention. I've noticed that the way we Americans communicate is usually designed to create a lot of attention and hype. Again, I think this is a product of our consumer culture, the belief that something isn't worthwhile or important unless it's perceived to be the best, best ever, or unless it gets a lot of attention. See every reality television show ever made. This is why Americans have a peculiar habit of thinking everything is totally awesome, and even the most mundane activities were the best thing ever. It's the unconscious drive we share for importance and significance, this unmentioned belief, socially beaten into us since birth, that if we're not the best at something, then we don't matter. We're status-obsessed. Our culture is built around achievement, production, and being exceptional. Therefore, comparing ourselves and attempting to outdo one another has infiltrated our social relationships as well. Who can slam the most beers first? Who can get reservations at the best restaurant? Who knows the promoter to the club? Who dated a girl on the cheerleading squad? Socializing becomes objectified and turned into a competition. And if you're not winning, the implication is that you are not important and no one will like you. Number nine, we are very unhealthy. Unless you have cancer or something equally dire, the healthcare system in the U.S. sucks. The World Health Organization ranked the U.S. 37th in the world for healthcare, despite the fact that we spend the most per capita by a large margin. The hospitals are nicer in Asia, with European-educated doctors and nurses, and cost a tenth as much. Something as routine as a vaccination costs multiple hundreds of dollars in the U.S. and less than $10 in Colombia. And before you make fun of Colombian hospitals, Colombia is 28th in the world on that WHO list, nine spots higher than us. A routine STD test that can run you over $200 in the U.S. is free in many countries to anyone, citizen or not. My health insurance the past year? $65 a month. Why? Because I live outside of the U.S. An American guy I met living in Buenos Aires got knee surgery on his ACL that would have cost $10,000 in the U.S. for free. But this isn't really getting into the real problems of our health. Our food is killing us. I'm not going to go crazy with the details, but we eat chemically-laced crap because it's cheaper and tastes better. Profit, profit. Our portion sizes are absurd. More profit. And we're by far the most prescribed nation in the world. And our drugs cost five to ten times more than they do even in Canada. Oh, profit, you sexy bitch. In terms of life expectancy, despite being the richest country in the world, we come in a paltry 35th, tied with Costa Rica and right behind Slovenia, and slightly ahead of Chile, Denmark, and Cuba. Enjoy your Big Mac. Number 10. We mistake comfort for happiness. The United States is a country built on the exaltation of economic growth and personal ingenuity. 
small businesses and constant growth are celebrated and supported above all else, above affordable health care, above respectable education, above everything. Americans believe it's your responsibility to take care of yourself and make something of yourself. Not the states, not your communities, not even your friends or families in some instances. Comfort sells easier than happiness. Comfort is easy. It requires no effort and no work. Happiness takes effort. It requires being proactive, confronting fears, facing difficult situations, and having unpleasant conversations. Comfort equals sales. We've been sold comfort for generations, and for generations we bought bigger houses, separated further and further out into the suburbs, along with bigger TVs, more movies, and takeout. The American public is becoming docile and complacent. We're obese and entitled. When we travel, we look for giant hotels that will insulate us and pamper us, rather than for legitimate cultural experiences that may challenge our perspectives or help us grow as individuals. Depression and anxiety disorders are soaring within the U.S. Our inability to confront anything unpleasant around us has not only created a national sense of entitlement, but it's disconnected us from what actually drives happiness, relationships, unique experiences, feeling self-validated, achieving personal goals. It's easier to watch a NASCAR race on television and tweet about it than to actually get out and try something new with a friend. Unfortunately, a byproduct of our massive commercial success is that we're able to avoid the necessary emotional struggles of life and instead indulge in easy, superficial pleasures. Here's a clip from the pilot episode of the HBO series The Newsroom. Can you say why America is the greatest country in the world? Diversity and opportunity. Lewis? Uh, freedom and freedom. So let's keep it that way. Well, why is America not the greatest, the greatest country in the world, Professor? That's my answer. You're saying yes. You're... Let's talk about fine. The... Sharon, the NEA is a loser. Yeah, it accounts for a penny out of our paycheck, but he gets to hit you with it anytime he wants. It doesn't cost money. It costs votes. It costs airtime and column inches. You know why people don't like liberals? Because they lose. If liberals are so fucking smart, how come they lose so goddamn always? Hey, and with a straight face, you're going to tell students that America is so star-spangled awesome that we're the only ones in the world who have freedom? Canada has freedom. Japan has freedom. The UK, France, Italy, Germany, Spain, Australia, Belgium has freedom. So 207 sovereign states in the world, like 180 of them have freedom. All right. And yeah, you, uh, sorority girl, just in case you accidentally wander into a voting booth one day, there's some things you should know. And one of them is... There is absolutely no evidence to support the statement that we're the greatest country in the world. We're 7th in literacy, 27th in math, 22nd in science, 49th in life expectancy, 178th in infant mortality, 3rd in median household income, number 4 in labor force, and number 4 in exports. We lead the world 
in only three categories. Number of incarcerated citizens per capita, number of adults who believe angels are real, and defense spending, where we spend more than the next 26 countries combined, 25 of whom are allies. Now, none of this is the fault of a 20-year-old college student, but you nonetheless are, without a doubt, a member of the worst period, generation period ever, period. So when you ask what makes us the greatest country in the world, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Yosemite? Sure used to be. We stood up for what was right. We fought for moral reasons. We passed laws, struck down laws for moral reasons. We waged wars on poverty, not poor people. We sacrificed. We cared about our neighbors. We put our money where our mouths were, and we never beat our chest. We built great big things, made ungodly technological advances, explored the universe, cured diseases, and we cultivated the world's greatest artists and the world's greatest economy. We reached for the stars, acted like men. We aspired to intelligence. We didn't belittle it. It didn't make us feel inferior. We didn't identify ourselves by who we voted for in the last election, and we didn't, we didn't scare so easy. We were able to be all these things and do all these things because we were informed by great men, men who were revered. First step in solving any problem is recognizing there is one. America is not the greatest country in the world anymore. Enough? Throughout history, every dominant civilization eventually collapsed because it became too successful. What made it powerful and unique grows out of proportion and consumes its society. I think this is true for American society. We're complacent, entitled, and unhealthy. My generation is the first generation of Americans who will be worse off than their parents economically, physically, and emotionally. And this is not due to a lack of resources, to a lack of education, or to a lack of ingenuity. It's corruption and complacency. The corruption from the massive industries that control our government's policies and the fat complacency of the people to sit around and let it happen. There are things I love about my country. I don't hate the U.S., and I still return to it a few times a year. But I think the greatest flaw of American culture is our blind self-absorption. In the past, it only hurt other countries. But now it's starting to hurt ourselves. So this is my lecture to my alcoholic brother. My own flavor of arrogance and self-absorption, even if slightly more informed, in hopes he'll give up his wayward ways. I imagine it'll fall on deaf ears, but it's the most I can do for now. Now, if you'll excuse me, I have some funny cat pictures to look at. Hey, Mark here. I just want to give you one quick final message. If you enjoyed this audio, if you enjoyed the content, um, I have a free PDF short ebook that is available on my website. Um, if you go to markmanson.net slash subscribe, uh, you can just enter your email. You'll receive it for free. It's called Three Ideas That Can Change Your Life. And um, I break down 
basically kind of three psychological concepts that were hugely influential and impactful on me and uh, readers have gotten a lot out of them. So if you enjoy what you hear, you want to hear more, you want to keep in touch, know when I post shit online, uh, go to markmanson.net slash subscribe and drop your email in there. It'll come right to you. Thanks.